Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you until the 10 o'clock hour and a lot to get to here, Thomas. Syracuse basketball on the bubble once again. No shock there. And after the Duke game, plenty of debate at the point guard position. But we begin today with Georgia Tech. After all, it's game day. Syracuse on the road in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. And this would be a crucial win for Syracuse, who's trying to tread water in the in the bubble, in the ACC standings, you name it. But Georgia Tech would be an ultra quad one win for a team that is winless in the quad one region right now, Thomas. And Brad, you mentioned it. At this point, every game is a crucial win for the Orange State. Desperately need every opportunity they can get to just find some semblance of wins. But especially this one, right? This is the last road game on the schedule. Just three games remaining. The other two are are at home against UNC and Clemson. This Georgia Tech team, even though they're not the best team that Syracuse has left, the fact that it's on the road makes this the most pivotal game for an Orange team that's 0-5 in quad one opportunities. That Virginia Tech game looked like it was on the borderline a couple weeks ago. Then they lose to Georgia Tech, no longer close to a quad one win. This is a really, really pivotal game. And Syracuse, if they have any chance at remaining in this tournament conversation, they need a win here today. Tune in at, or rather, keep it locked to our Twitter, at Orange Fizz, for all of our updates on the, the home stretch of the Syracuse basketball season. And as a reminder for everyone, it's a quad one win because Georgia Tech is 38th in the net rankings. A win on the road against the team in the top 75 in the net rankings would be considered a quad one win. So in a way, Thomas, this is an ultra quad one win. For the net, net rankings, yes, but also it's a tough time to play Georgia Tech. They're kind of on a heater right now. This is another team that is considered a bubble team. Right now, Joe Lenardi has them on his next four out. And they're coming off a big win at Virginia Tech, 69-53. to And that hurt, I'm not going to lie, that hurt Syracuse because Virginia Tech plummeted in the net rankings and they were on the periphery of that quad one opponent and now they're nowhere even close. So from, from earlier before in the season, Syracuse beat Virginia Tech. That will remain a quad two win. That's the bad news. The good news is it makes Georgia Tech look that much more difficult. It, it does, and that makes this game all that much more important for Syracuse. And you mentioned, Brad, them beating Virginia Tech, how pivotal that is for Syracuse's chances to get a win here today. And the thing is, Syracuse, look, even if without this Georgia Tech game, they were still on the outside looking in. Joe Lenardi has Georgia Tech ranked above the orange right now. And a lot of that has to do with just how weak the ACC is here this year. There just hasn't been a lot of opportunities for quad one wins for Syracuse. And when they have had the opportunities, they've kind of spoiled those chances. They haven't happened. And this is the last opportunity before the ACC tournament. Syracuse really, really needs to take advantage of that chance because, look, this isn't a great Georgia Tech squad. And you mentioned how they have the same win against Virginia Tech that Syracuse has. But this is a team that needs to beat the Yellow Jackets here today down in Atlanta. Syracuse, if they want to stay in this conversation, they need that quad 1-1. And they don't have a lot of bad losses, but they don't have any really big wins either. Yeah. This is the last chance to get that done. 
Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio on the score 1260 until 10 a.m. here on this game day. Syracuse in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. Pretty much a must win at this point. And in a way, it's kind of weird to say that, Thomas, because after the Duke loss, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, yeah, uh, that was the must win. It's over at this point. But we'll let you know what we think about that on the other side. Still plenty to get to here. But Thomas, let's really zero in on Georgia Tech here. This is a team... Again, we're talking about Georgia Tech as a team that's kind of trending upwards. And I'm looking at this squad. First of all, take care of the basketball. This is a tough matchup because Georgia Tech leads the ACC in turnover margin. And we're going to get to Syracuse in their point guard position later in the show. I'm sure that will that will key in, or rather tie in, to Georgia Tech. But you have a guy in Jose Alvarado, seasoned veteran in the, in the ACC, 17 points per game, four assists. He knows how to take care of the basketball and the ball is going to be in his hand pretty much for 15 seconds per trip on the shot clock. You know that. So if you're Syracuse, that's a good, that's good news. And that's bad news because he could be a pretty good paint touch guy that could penetrate the top of the zone. Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim obviously have struggled defensively. That's the bad news on, on the good news side though. It's kind of predictable. Jose Alvarado is going to be doing a lot of the dribbling. Yeah, absolutely, and you mentioned just how kind of potent this Georgia Tech offense is. They're the 20th adjusted offense, according to Ken Palm, in the country. So if that, and their defense is really good too. You mentioned Jose Alvarado. That allows you a guy to really hone in on at the top of the zone. Whether it's Goodari Richmond or Joe Gerard, we'll get into that a little bit later. But you also have Buddy Bayheim up at the top as well. There's there's a guy that you're like, all right, if we can stop Jose Alvarado, if you're Syracuse. Then you should win this game. But there are also other guys on this team, Brad. Michael DeVoe is one of them. Moses Wright, another. There, there's a lot of offensive playmakers on this team outside Jose Alvarado. Of course, Alvarado, the main guy. But look, Michael DeVoe is hitting over 40% of his threes. Alvarado, almost 43% of his threes. This is a really, really good shooting team. And for Syracuse to win today, they, they're going to need some luck on their side. They're going to need Georgia Tech to kind of have a quiet day from deep. And that's a lot of risk for a team that really needs a win here to need the Yellow Jackets to be a poor shooting team today. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m. And, and Thomas, you mentioned, okay, Syracuse needs Georgia Tech to be a poor shooting team. That's kind of a lot to ask of a 2-3 zone that gave up 10 threes in the first half in Cameron Indoor Stadium against a Duke team that, yeah, they can shoot, but man, 10 threes against a team who was on the bubble at best, and now they are on the bubble. Syracuse, according to some, is off, and we'll let you know what we think about that in a few minutes on the other side of this coming of this upcoming break. But Thomas, Georgia Tech, a must-win for Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, a must-win for Syracuse. And to me, that's what makes this game so dangerous for both sides, is that both teams need to win. And it's kind of like, it, it does remind me of that Duke game, that both teams have something to play for. In a very weird way, you feel more comfortable against a Virginia Tech, for example, because Virginia Tech is more solidly off the bubble in the tournament. And yeah, they might be a better team than Georgia Tech. Uh, by the way, you beat them already, but at least they don't have anything to play for and Syracuse has more incentive. That's re really not the case here. And that to me is why if I'm a Syracuse fan listening at home, I'm a little apprehensive. Yeah, and you should be in. Going just into these next three games here, these are all against teams that are also looking to stay on the bubble and make March Madness here. So Syracuse, you're not playing any of these teams. That's already 
pretty solidified their tournament chances and maybe is just trying to improve their seed a little bit. And this is just another team, which is honestly, Brad, I think maybe outside of UNC, the worst matchup for Syracuse out of the three remaining. It's just this is a really hot Georgia Tech shooting team. And that's one of obviously the big challenges of playing a 2-3 zone is, well, sometimes you run into some teams that are great from distance and there's just not a lot you can do. They really stretch out the zone defense. Duke did it tremendously in the last game Syracuse played and I don't want to be a pessimist here but it, it does seem like this is just an opportunity in a game that Syracuse really needs but it doesn't have the tools or the defense to really make sure that it goes its way I, I think Georgia Tech is going to be a really tough matchup for the Orange today Tip-off is set for noon. Make sure you keep it locked to our Twitter at Orange Fizz for updates on the action. And we'll also have a post-game coverage article for you at orangefizz.net. So, Thomas, we're going to wrap this up. And really the overarching umbrella here between Syracuse and Georgia Tech is the bubble. So we'll let you know where Syracuse stands on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you until the 10 o'clock hour. And Thomas, we previewed the Syracuse-Georgia Tech game. Tip off at noon. Make sure you keep it locked to our Twitter at OrangeFizz and our website OrangeFizz.net for coverage. But the reason we were a little apprehensive about that game was the bubble. Georgia Tech on the bubble, Syracuse on the bubble. And so let's just jump right into it. Bubble talk. It's no surprise this is where Syracuse ends up, on the bubble, outside looking in, to say the least. It's generous at this point to say that Syracuse is on the outside looking in. After the Duke loss, a handed Duke loss, by the way, Joe Lenardi of ESPN, who, by the way, if you ask me, he is the prophet. He knows all, and, and we're all wrong, he's all right, okay? So he has Syracuse not even on the next four out. They're not even pictured. To find Syracuse on the bubble is to find Waldo. It's going to be difficult. Well, and I know Syracuse fans have a somewhat contentious relationship with Joe Lenardi throughout the years, but he's not the only one. I mean, almost no bracketologist has Syracuse even touching the tournament at this point, and that's partly, like we said earlier, it's just due to a, a bad ACC conference where usually Syracuse, all right, they kind of muddle through conference play, but they pick up a couple wins against teams that may be top 25 opponents, and they can use that to kind of springboard their chances into the AC, or into the NCAA tournament. That's not the case this year. One, because the conference is pretty poor. Two, because Syracuse lost some really pivotal games due to COVID postponements. Two against Louisville, one on the road, one in the Dome. And then a game against Florida State. And those are two of the better teams. Would have been quad one opportunities for Syracuse, Florida State. The All right, top yeah, team but in Thomas, the let, let's get real. There was no way they were winning against Florida State. There's no way. Right. I, I mean, I think the FSU <laughs> one, you can just kind of throw out the window and say, ah, they avoided another loss on the, on the column. The Louisville Maybe, one, I, I think, mean, really hurts. And it's hard, right? Because Syracuse fans, you can point to the handful of, of games that COVID took away from Syracuse that would have been quad one. And and if you're a Syracuse fan, you could say, man, what if the Orange had those opportunities? Well, I think you also have to ask, hey, is it a blessing in disguise? Are we even having this conversation just because Syracuse didn't have those losses? I think the very possible answer is yes. Well, but I mean... Sure, that's probably true, but without those opportunities, Syracuse and 
99% likelihood isn't making the tournament. If you have those, at least fans can say, well, what if this had happened? What if that had happened? If you just get that win over Louisville, or if you somehow figure out how to beat the Seminoles, you're pretty solidly in the discussion where that's not the case anymore. In all likelihood, yes, you lose those games. But Brett, I mean, the bigger issue here is Syracuse just didn't do themselves any favors in the games that they did play. Because you win the Notre Dame game, and going into the Duke game, we're all sitting here saying, all right, you have to win this game. You have to win all of your remaining games to find your way into the AC into the NCAA tournament. And they go out and lose by 14 against the Blue Devils, and it was not even that close. It should have been more a bigger loss than 85-71. It was the a 25-point game for a big chunk of that second half. Right, and it's we can sit here all day and say, well, if they played Louisville, if they played Florida State, at the end of the day, Syracuse didn't get it done in the games that they did play. They lost by double figures to Duke in a game they needed. They didn't have any quad one wins so far. They blew this season themselves. It wasn't due to covert postponements. It was it was Syracuse playing poorly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And if you're a Syracuse fan, you probably don't want to hear that, but that's the bitter truth right now is that Syracuse is simply not good enough. And if they were good enough, then they wouldn't be in this position that they are right now. So... We'll see. I mean, look, you talk about the bubble. It's not great to see them not pictured there, but it's also not surprising either, right? You lose Elijah Hughes, and you're thinking, okay, maybe Alan Griffin comes in, and he fills that hole, and in a way he did, but to lose Barama Sidibe and then get him back, but a shell of him, if that, for what, a game, that's really when Doomsday hit for Syracuse. Four minutes into that opener, Bryant and you lose your center, you were a bubble team before you lost your starting center. And if you're a Syracuse fan, you kind of have to take solace in, all right, well, we're really not at full strength the entire season, so there's that. Well, I also, Brad, I mean, you touched on Alan Griffin, and I think it's fair to say he's probably, what, 75% of Hughes, somewhere along yeah, those fair. lines? That's fair. I, I think we've talked about Sidibe in the past, and we've discussed, is he really the guy that he showed at the end of last year? Is he somewhere in between the guy from his uh, from his peak to what he showed the rest of his career? I think maybe what you're getting from him is, I don't know, 7.7 rebounds a game, somewhere along there, somewhere in the middle of what he's shown throughout his career. Obviously, if you have Sidibe throughout the course of the season, you're a lot better positioned to make the tournament. I still don't know that you're making it, because, look, Hughes, you lose your best player. Joe Girard's taken a massive step back. Buddy Beheim struggled throughout the year, in part because of issues he's dealt with, with uh, pauses and that sort of thing. The team as a whole is just kind of taken a step back, except for Quincy Garrier, maybe Marek Dolajai. You just don't have the pieces, even with Sidibe, to make the NCAA tournament in my mind. That's fair. Look, we were talking about Sidibe all year on OrangeFizz.net. Everyone on staff was banging their head against a wall, waiting for him to come back, waiting for him to show his true colors. Is he the guy that he was at the end of last year? Is he not? Will he ever come back? Will he ever come back healthy? Just take a look at our website. It's all there. You can also follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. But we're also with you until 10 a.m. here on this game day between Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Thomas Schultz and Brad Klein talking about Syracuse on the bubble deja vu and basically how Syracuse got here at this point. And I, to me, the biggest problem, and this sounds a little silly, but the biggest problem is every player on the roster, whether it's Quincy Garrier, 
Joe Girard, even Chaz Owens, everyone on the roster has a fatal flaw. And it sounds weird because what do you expect from a team that's not really a blue blood? Let's let's face it, they're not a blue blood and is on the bubble and has had COVID problems. What do you expect? But to be fair, I think back to the recent teams, Elijah Hughes and Tyus Battle, and they were the model of consistency. They were the common denominators. And no matter how well Quincy Garrier plays, he's never going to be that. So it doesn't really help that Syracuse doesn't have that one player to will them onto the right side of the bubble like Elijah Hughes did, like Tyus Battle did. Quincy Garrier's fatal flaw is that he can't play defense on the wing. That's his fatal flaw. And I can go down the rest of the roster, but for anyone listening at home saying, hey, what are you talking about? That's my man, Quincy. He's going to be in the NBA. He's one of the top players in the ACC. Yeah, but Syracuse can't defend for their lives on the wing, and it doesn't help when you don't have a center in the middle of the zone. So there are so many different problems with this team. I'm just surprised that they're even this close to the bubble where we can even have this conversation. Well, and Brad, anybody disagreeing you that is standing up for Quincy, just go listen to a Jim Beheim press conference the past couple of weeks. Yeah. He said, look, we can't guard. Our wings don't step up when they need to. They don't slide back to the corners when they need to. That's one of the reasons John Volashak is actually getting a few minutes per game is because he's able to defend the corners better than anybody else. He better actually than does any rotate nicely, to be fair. Yeah. He's yeah, a it, smart player, but like Jim Beheim says, he, he just doesn't have the frame to do it yet, which is frustrating because he took a redshirt year and he's still not physically ready, but that's neither right. here nor there. Right, that's a, that's a different conversation, but a pretty pivotal one for Syracuse. But, I mean, look, Alan Griffin has the same issue that Quincy Garrier does on defense. Neither of them defend very well. And Jim Beheim said in his post-game press conference after the Duke game, there's a couple of guys on this roster that are more interested in their scoring than their defense. It seems like both of those guys he was talking about was Alan Griffin and Quincy Garrier because there have been times pretty often throughout the season where there's just not much defensive activity. And outside of Kadari Richmond, look, Marek tries to do as much as he can down low. Obviously, at 201 pounds, going up against guys that are 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier than him, there's pretty limited opportunities what he can do. Joe Girard can't play defense. Buddy Beheim just he, he's, he at least has the size, but he's not athletic to do it. Kadari Richmond's really the only guy who is a really good defender on this roster, but also a guy who is athletic enough to defend at the top of the key. And that's the biggest reason Syracuse will not make March Madness this season is because, one, they can't defend except for the guys who can, those athletic trio outside of Kadari Richmond, Alan Griffin and Quincy Garrier, a lot of times they aren't that active on the defensive end. Yeah, Thomas, I completely agree with you. And just to add to the fire here, isn't it frustrating for Syracuse fans listening at home that Kadari Richmond's the only one who plays defense? And moreover, there are probably only two players that are physically fits in the middle in, in the in the zone. Idolajai is a good player and he can play on the wing, but in terms of fit, he can't fit into his position, which is the center position in the middle of the two-three zone. I'm thinking Alan Griffin is just a guard. Let's face it. He's a guard. He's not a small forward. He can't defend the wing. That's very clear. To me, Quincy Garrier and Kadari Richmond physically are the only fits in the 2-3 zone. And Quincy, even though he's a fit physically, he still can't play it. That, to me, would be the infuriating part. And Brad Klein, Thomas Schultz here, wrapping up our bubble discussion. That's right. This started as a bubble discussion and evolved into, wait, 
how did we get here discussion, but the answer is, well, injuries, COVID, and also the defense has just been dreadful for a team that's branded itself on defense for years. On the other side, don't go anywhere. We have plenty more for you on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m., and we're going to be talking about that point guard position. Look, it's been a debate all year. Kadari Richmond versus Joe Girard. And let me give you a hint. After that Duke game, it's finally coming to a head. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you until 10 a.m. And Thomas, we talked about Syracuse, Georgia Tech. We talked about the bubble, but I think that's kind of depressed some of our listeners. So let's get to the point guard position because it's a debate that's been going on all year. And yeah, neither neither option seems to be world-class, Kadari Richmond versus Joe Girard. But I think we're both on the same page now. Kadari Richmond is the future, and that is a silver lining in this very troubled season for SU basketball. Well, I don't even think that Kadari Richmond's just the future, Brad. He's the present. Like, he's the guy who should not just be playing more minutes. He should be starting over Joe Girard. And I think, the, like, all year long we've had this discussion. It's like, well, yeah, we know Kadari's probably better. But if Joe Girard gets off to a hot start, then Syracuse could do well offensively that game. The problem is Girard, three times out of four, four times out of five, Gets off to a really slow start. I don't think he had any points against Duke. And then you see Syracuse fall into these insurmountable holes that happen against the Blue Devils down in Durham, where it doesn't matter how well you play in the second half. Kadari Richmond came in and played well. Syracuse played a decent second half. It didn't matter because you were so far down in the first half. Your defense was so poor. You didn't have any offensive production from Gerard that you just couldn't come back from that deficit. And it's just time. With three games remaining in the regular season, it's time for Kadari Richmond to play 25 to 30 minutes a game, and it's time for him to start in that starting lineup. I completely agree. And the only reason, and actually, you can follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. You can look at our website, OrangeFizz.net. There is proof of me being pro Gerard. And there's an, there's an article out there, by the way, not written by me, that says, hey, Joe Gerard needs to start, and here's why. But I was reading it. And I was shaking, or rather nodding my head, saying, yeah, I completely agree. And it's because, well, there were a bunch of reasons. I'm going to give you the reasons I'm, I've abandoned the Gerard bandwagon now. Is that my, my main apprehension with Kadari Richmond starting was stamina. Every time he was asked about it, Jim Beheim would say in his press conferences, guys, I know you like Kadari. I like Kadari too. And the, this is the reason I actually believe Jim Beheim is because he's the biggest Kadari Richmond fan out there. I love him too, but the guy can't play 25 to 30 minutes a game at a high level. And I believed him, because why would he lie about that? But now, I'm thinking later in the season, conditioning is getting better, clearly, and the past two games he's played 25 minutes against Notre Dame, he played 29 minutes on the road against Duke, and sure, he only had six points against Notre Dame, He had 15 against Duke, but the bottom line is whether he's scoring 6 or 15, he's playing at a high level. Six points sure against Notre Dame, had three steals. That's the wingspan, that 6'10 wingspan that you need on the floor for as long as you can possibly have him on the floor. So if he's finally at a point, Thomas, where he's equipped to play 25, 30 minutes a game, sign me up. 
Well, and you bring up a good point here because Jim Beheim said after the Duke game, he likened the center position to a backup quarterback, saying everybody wants the backup quarterback in until they see what they can do and they realize the coach was right and the guy wasn't ready. That's the same thing. It applies for the center position for Syracuse. It applies for Kadari Richmond's conditioning as well. I mean, I believe Jim Beheim that he wasn't ready to play 25, 30 minutes of productive basketball. He is now. And I think my rebuttal to that would have been, well, he may not be, but Joe Girard clearly isn't either. And the thing with Kadar Richmond now starting, if he does start, since he should start, is that not only is he a guy who can really, I think, actually open up your offense, because Joe Girard hasn't been hitting threes, and Kadar Richmond's the only guard on the team who actually drives to the hoop and gets guys open with the defense collapsing. He's also a great guy to have next to Buddy Beheim at the top of the key in the 2-3 zone, because Joe Girard's the worst defender on the roster. I, yeah. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Kadari Richmond's the best, and, and I don't think there's any argument for anybody else. He's by far the best guy, and he may still have a lot to learn on defense, but he does so many things. He picks so many passes that nobody else on this team does, and, and that's the biggest reason because Syracuse has struggled so much defensively. He needs to play 30 minutes. There, there's no other answer outside of Kadari Richmond. Brad Klein with Thomas Schultz on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m. Syracuse basketball tips off at noon against Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Make sure you keep it locked to our Twitter at Orange Fizz and our website, orangefizz.net, for coverage. Talking about Joe Girard versus Kadari Richmond here, the point guard position battle and the debate that's been going on all season. And at this point, I've abandoned ship of the Joe Girard bandwagon. I'm pro, I'm team Kadari at this point. And, and Thomas... You and I finally agree on something, so that's nice. But let me ask you a question, because I'm sure a lot of fans at home are on this, are of this mindset. Assuming Syracuse is off the bubble and their tournament chances are over, okay, let's just pretend that's the case. After the Duke loss, Georgia Tech basically doesn't matter. Syracuse just has to win the ACC tournament outright to get in. Let's just assume that's the case. Does that hypothetical fact give you any more comfort or make you want to start Kadari Richmond over Joe Girard any more than you do right now? Heading into next season? Heading into Georgia Tech? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I think Joe Girard, like, some of it is maybe he just isn't the guy he showed as a freshman. I think something that is easy to overlook is Joe Girard said after one of the games in, I think, February, you know, he was dealing with COVID. He, he had the virus, and so I think... For a lot of guys, sometimes that is something that takes a while to get back into playing shape. But look, Kadari Richmond is just in a better spot. I think he's a better guy this season, next season, for the future of Syracuse to play against Georgia Tech, especially considering, and we mentioned this, Brad, already, how sharp of a shooting team Georgia Tech is. Jose Alvarado is hitting almost 43% of his threes. This is a team that you need that defense at the top of the zone. You need it on the perimeter, which Joe Girard, he's listed as six foot two. He can't be more than six feet tall. He's yeah. not six foot two. Kadari Richmond is what six five, and he's got a six ten wingspan. Like against a team that can really stretch the floor on you, like Georgia Tech can, you need Kadari Richmond in that game thirty minutes because without him, you're really letting yourself be exploited defensively as a team that can really uh, give up a lot of three point attempts and a lot of three point makes against a really sharp shooting Georgia Tech team. Kadari Richmond needs to be on the floor, and of course. Look, he's going to get steals. He's going to get buckets on drives at the hoop, but you need him in there because right now he's your fourth leading shot blocker. You need him in there to block shots or contest shots on the wing. 
Yeah, and get steals too. Brian Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m. And for anyone listening that doesn't really know where they want to weigh in on this debate, Kadari Richmond versus Joe Girard, let me put it this way. Let me put it in very simple terms that Syracuse fans will understand. Kadari Richmond is a rich man's Michael Carter-Williams. Boom! There! I said it! Okay, and, and let me explain, because that's that's a hot take. Michael Carter-Williams was a great Syracuse guard, okay? Both of them, very long, very elite defensive guards. MCW, 6'6", six six, Kadari Richmond, 6'5", but honestly, might as well be 6'6", six six with a 6'10 wingspan, okay? And the only difference is that MCW didn't contribute in his true freshman year, Kadari Richmond is. MCW might as well have redshirted, averaged less than three points per game, and Richmond right now is really becoming a juggernaut in the offense. Yeah, I, I'm. look, I don't know if I would go that far, at least assuming we're talking about a former rookie of the year in the NBA here. Obviously, that's not a Syracuse tenure, but Brett, I am glad you've come full circle and joined me on the Kadari Richmond bandwagon here because for a while, it's nice. we were going back it's, and forth. The weather is nicer Joe on this side. I'll tell you. It's much nicer. It's sunnier out here. There's not as much snow and clouds yeah. on the Kadari Richmond side. It's He's just the better guy, right? Like Jim Beheim can dispute it all he wants and say, Look, Joe Girard was one of the top premier freshman point guards last season, but Jim, you might have you might have good excuses for why he's not this year. At the end of the day, Joe Girard's not the same guy he showed last year. It, there there could be reasons, but he's not. Kadori Richmond is indisputably the better player, and sure, he's not as good of a three point shooter at this stage. Uh, the thing that is that I like about Kadori Richmond besides his defense, besides his driving to the hoop, he doesn't take shots that he can't yes. make, right? Like, he doesn't take a lot of three-point shots. He actually made his first three-point shot in February against Duke. Uh, Joe Girard takes a lot of threes, man. Like, he doesn't hit a lot of threes all the time. Sometimes he's on. And I get there are games where you got to just see if you're hot or not. Like Miami, he was 5-9. and nine. But there's also been performances where he goes 2-9. of nine. He did that a couple times this season in when you're not making them and you're taking up a lot of shots and you're terrible defensively, you're a huge negative on your team. And Kadari Richmond cannot shoot all game long. He can take zero shots, not drive to the bucket. He's still going to be a net positive because of his defense where Joe Girard, if you're not making them, you're not providing anything to this Definitely offense. Definitely a higher floor for Kadari, for Kadari Richmond. The only reservation I have is that Joe Girard has the much higher ceiling. If he is hot, then he has to play. Do you think so? Oh, absolutely. Because because Joe Girard, we can rip on Joe Girard for his defense, and, and yeah, that's going to happen because he's a very poor defender. But at the same time, you can't forget about the days he has 20 or more points. And it's happened. It's happened on multiple occasions this season. And I guess what? I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again this season. Between the home stretch, the regular season, could happen today against Georgia Tech. Could happen in the ACC tournament where he just hits threes. Those no, 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 yes, yes, yes shots. He's hit them before. He'll hit them again. A little bit like Trevor Cooney in that sense. If he's hot, he's hot. Kadari Richmond, See, K- the- Kadari Richmond doesn't take those shots. You're right. And that's good. Sometimes it's bad. I might be crazy here, Brad, but I think I'd rather have 10 points from Kadari Richmond in 30 minutes than 20 from Joe Girard in 30 minutes. No, that's because ridiculous. You that's know- ridiculous. You're going to get some steals with that. You're going to get great defense at the top of the key. But no defender is worth 10 points. No. 
I, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> we're talking, we're extrapolating the by far worst defender on the team, probably one of the worst defenders in the Atlantic Coast Conference, versus one of the best. You got to take that into well, account. I, and, and this is hard because I don't want to fall into the trap of forgetting what Joe Girard is when he when he's hot. I feel like a lot of Syracuse fans do that. They just completely write him off. But when he's making shots, he's an asset to the offense, especially. Again, defense is a problem, but think about how much that opens up the, the offense when Joe Girard is hot and Joe Girard is taking 30-foot threes and making 30-foot threes. Opens up the offense for Buddy Beheim, opens up the offense for the Wings. It's a game-changer, and Kadari Richmond can't offer that yet. Yeah, I mean, there is a point there, and I think, look, there is a little bit of recency bias with me here where it's just like, I'm kind of cynical about Joe Girard these days, and I think there are some good points there that, you know, he spaces the offense much better than Kadari Richmond when he's on, Kadari Richmond also drives the bucket and gets open shooters when defenses collapse. So maybe, maybe, I'm not willing to, you know, admit wrong just yet about my rather have 10 points from Kadari versus 20 from Joe Girard. But look, I 15 of Girard versus 10 from Kadari, I, I would much rather have that. It's just, you're right, Girard does open up the offense, but if he's not making them, He's not doing anything, and Kadari Richmond, every time he steps on the floor, he's going to make a big impact for this team. Kadari Richmond or Joe Girard, yin and yang, different ways that you can go. Looks like Jim Beheim is starting to jump on the Kadari Richmond bandwagon, too, with the increased playing time. And I think it's important to realize, okay, starting lineup, it's nice, but what's most important is the closing lineup. And Kadari Richmond has certainly been in that closing lineup the past couple of games. He's really playing well, really coming into his own and if nothing else, for Syracuse fans listening at home, that is your silver lining in a very flawed 2020-2021 season. But we'll hear from you on the other side. It's Fizz Feedback. Don't go anywhere. We have more of you and your thoughts on Fizz Radio. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz, happy to be with you here for the home stretch. Thomas, we've previewed Georgia Tech, tip off at noon in about two hours. We've talked about Syracuse on the bubble, and we've given our thoughts on the point guard position. But now it's time to hear from Fizz Nation, Fizz Feedback. Let's get it started. So our first Fizz Feedback question today is, what does Syracuse need to do to make March Madness? The question on everybody's mind here, the options win the ACC tournament make the ACC tournament final make the ACC tournament semifinal or it's too late they're already out and this is pretty close here winning the ACC tournament wins with 31% of the vote 30% of the vote goes to making the ACC tournament fi final 21% to semifinals and 18% of Fizz Nation thinks that Syracuse is already out their their fate is sealed so to speak I think, Brad, I'm going to have to go with winning the ACC tournament. I don't think if you make the finals, may, look, if you win your final three games and you make the finals, I think you probably have a pretty good chance. I don't see Syracuse doing that. I think they lose to UNC again. This is too tough of a matchup for them. I see Syracuse losing today as well to Georgia Tech. I think you got to win the whole thing, and that's really your only chance to make, a, make it to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think that if you make a run in the ACC tournament and you make it to the final, that's going to require you beating a team, probably two two quad twos and a quad one. Like I think they would probably meet Virginia in the semis if the season ended today based on seeding. Syracuse would be 
a six right now. So, and this is of course before the Georgia Tech game. I don't know. I, I I don't think they would be out if they made the ACC tournament final. I think it'd be very tough to keep the ACC tournament runner-up out of the big dance. But I'm with you. It's not happening. I want to vote. It's too late. They're out. But there is a very very small glimmer of hope. Well, and you got to think. You make the tournament final. You're getting a quad one win over a really quality opponent, like you mentioned, probably Virginia, at least right now, in the semifinals. So there is a path there. Even if you don't win the whole thing, look, you do have to do better than... You, you can't go one and two in these final three games. Maybe you, you got to win all three, but I don't want to say all hope is lost unless you win the ACC tournament. There is a little bit of a very, very narrow path with a lot of things falling your way to make the tournament and squeak in without winning the ACC championship. But, Brad, let's go to our second Fizz feedback here. What is SU's record in the final three games? Remember, it's on the road at Georgia Tech today, their only quad one chance before two home games against UNC Clemson. The options are you got win all three is what 19% of Fizz Nation thinks will happen. Two and one gets 21, 27% of the vote. 30% of Fizz Nation thinks they go one and two, and the final 24% of voters says they lose all three. I think they're going to go one and two. I think they're going to lose to UNC. They don't have the size to match up with the Tar Heels. I think they lose today. I think they do beat Clemson in the regular season finale, but that's not going to be good enough to cut it in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I get it. A couple of these, like I, I would say Georgia Tech and UNC, you're right. They're pretty much losses. Clemson's a pretty bad matchup for Syracuse just from an X's and O's standpoint. I'm going to say they lose all of them. And uh, part of me is just being a little bit biased here because uh, I think for the ahead of the final five games, I predicted Syracuse to go with one win. And so kind of need them to lose all of them just so I could be right. You know, if, if, if the Syracuse Orange are not going to be good, I might as well be right. So it was looking pretty bad after that Notre Dame win. Um, I'm going to go with lose all three. The bottom line is, and it's the way I've been feeling about this team throughout the season, I don't feel comfortable against any team in the ACC if I'm Syracuse. Maybe Boston College. That's it. That's it. And you can't actually look at me in the eye with a straight face and say, yeah, Syracuse is definitely going to win one of these games. Right, I think you're right there in that I just don't think Syracuse is as good of a team as any of these three. Clemson, all three of them are ranked above Syracuse in the standings, albeit Georgia Tech just right ahead of the orange there, a spot ahead. I think all three of these teams are better. Now, I do think Syracuse is going to be able to squeak out one of the games, probably Clemson. I could see them beating Georgia Tech today, maybe. It really depends more so on not how well Syracuse plays, but how well or how poorly the Yellow Jackets play. Because we mentioned this in our first segment here, Brad. If Jose Alvarado is missing threes, if Josh Pastner's team can't hit shots from deep, that gives Syracuse a really, really good opportunity to pull off a quad one win and get that that quad one win you need in, in an upset victory here down in Atlanta today. I don't see them being favored in any of these matchups. All three of these matchups are bad matchups for Syracuse because there's so many holes on the roster, but this is a team, they kind of do this at the end of the year, where there are games that they should win, or they should lose, excuse me, on the schedule, and they kind of pull a couple of them out, maybe. Still, I don't think they're going to pull out nearly enough to make it into the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on the closing minutes of Fizz Radio here, and 
We're talking about the Fizz feedback that has uh, most of Fizz Nation saying it's not looking good for Syracuse. Most of you think that Syracuse basically has to win the ACC tournament or make it to the ACC tournament final to have a prayer of making it into the big dance. And in terms of SU's final record over the final three games, 29% say one of two, but it's a pretty split margin here. Some of you actually are optimists and say all three will be wins. But And, and Thomas, I'm going to do something here. I don't like to do this because I'm not an athlete myself. I'm going to question motivation of athletes. Again, I don't like to do this, but for a team that lost Duke, that Joe Lenardi went out on in public and said, hey, in front of the country, this is a play-out game. The loser will be out. Syracuse lost. And the players heard it. We heard it. The players heard it. So you have to wonder how much of an incentive there will be. Let's say, Georgia, let's say Syracuse loses to Georgia Tech today, and now they're really, really out. How are they going to do against a team like UNC who matches up well against them? How are they going to do against a team like Clemson who I think matches up well against Syracuse too? They're already dogs, and now Syracuse is really, really far from the bubble at that point. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to do well. And look, Brad, no. you, you questioned their uh, how active they've been. Jim Beheim has questioned how active his team has been, especially Alan Griffin, which it seems like it's been a problem with him all year long, as well as seemingly, it seemed like he was talking about Quincy Gary after the Duke loss. And I think some of that is, look, he gave up 10 first half threes. That's a season high for the Blue Devils. It's kind of hard not to come out and be deflated in the second half. Syracuse did a good job of making that game a little bit better of a game. It was never, after the first few minutes, close. Duke kind of went on to a blowout victory and just kind of coasted after the press didn't work. Syracuse, they just, at this point, you need some semblance of momentum to push you into a nice run, a little boost heading into the ACC tournament. And you can say, all right, look, we need to win these games, obviously, these final three games. But after that, our work's not nearly close to done, but it'll give us some momentum, give us a nice confidence boost heading into the ACC tournament that we can defeat some of these better teams in the ACC. Because remember, look, the ACC's down this year. Syracuse is obviously going to... We we, talk, we talked about this earlier. They're probably not going to be able to beat an FSU. We saw them lose pretty handily to Virginia. But you get a nice little tournament schedule where maybe you get to avoid those two teams... Everybody else in the ACC is beatable for Syracuse because, frankly, almost everybody is beatable this year. It's just you need to win these games. And like you mentioned, the Duke game was kind of a matchup of two teams on the Final Four out. Syracuse needs to win, and, and that's all they can do And at the end of the day see what happens. But you got to win today. you got to win the Final Two, and you got to win a lot in the ACC tournament. Win a lot in the ACC tournament, that's going to be tough. And the other problem is that the ACC is down this year. Syracuse is basically, according to most critics, out of the bubble conversation. And if the season ended today, before the Georgia Tech game, they're sixth in, in, in seeding in the ACC tournament, which to me is just unbelievable. That, but that will do it for us here on Fizz Radio. Thanks so much for making us part of your Saturday. Make sure you enjoy the game. And once again, follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Make sure you keep it locked to our website, orangefizz.net, for continued coverage of Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Thomas, any quick thoughts, quick closing thoughts for the viewers at home? I'm going to give a little prediction today. I think Georgia Tech is going to win 75-65. It's not going to be close. All right, 75-65, I like it, I'll second it. 
Don't go anywhere. We have another Fizz Radio for you next week. We'll see you next time.